1: Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast. I've got my buddy Drew Hodgson here today. Drew, the last time we spoke, I did like three hours of prep work, getting ready a synopsis of the Deshaun Watson scenario, and you and I sat down and recorded for 45 minutes, and at the end of it, I decided I didn't didn't want to put it out there. Because, and I don't know if you (laughs) noticed that or not. (laughs) You know, I I
0: didn't see it hit the feed and I was wondering what happened to it. Like, I just got lost in it. But I am glad that I prepped everybody that I knew that they were going to get a really decisive, (laughs) robust, Deshaun Watson timeline and update
1: it never wasn't, was released it was like you know what it was it was it was like sometimes when you're making love and you just try too hard everything falls apart that's what it was I was I tried too hard and it was something that I talk about every day on the radio but when I tried to do everything in a formal fashion um nobody came and uh it was <laughs>
0: was that an intentional setup because that payoff was
1: (laughs) that's just that's just my stupid That's 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 just you being a veteran, just a savvy yeah. vet. That's just a, that's just right right my that's my that's my forty six year old brain working, which is the subject we're going to talk about today. Because I, I mm-hmm. came across this article in in Men's Health, which is one of the few publications I still get in paper form because I feel like it's motivational. <laughs> I, I feel like at some point I'm going to do a collage or something, you know, like a motivational <laughs> collage or a a vision yeah. board or something with all the shredded yeah. dudes in Men's Health. I, I I feel like it motivates me.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's great. I think it's also good to just like cut out the letters and then send like a hostage notice to your gym. Just be like, I'm not coming back unless you get me hot.
1: This guy, this guy, this guy definitely sent this from Men's Health. So he's yeah, like his business. This is from Men's Health. This I guy, guess we'll take him seriously. This guy's still got a paper magazine publication. He's freaking yeah, psycho. He's a psychopath. <laughs> Who does that? So they they brought they made an interesting point though. It's that the actual middle age for men, the median age of average men in the U.S. is 37 years old. So middle age generally means 45 to 60 years old. So I'm I'm actually at the lower end of middle aged by most people's standards. But if you're looking at like, OK, are you halfway done with life by whatever? I, I don't know how they work. I guess 74. Well,
0: 76, I think they said was the was the average lifespan.
1: Average. Okay. still seems low, right? It seems like we got. I keep I always calculate 100. So so 37, which is how old are you? I'm 39. You're 39. Okay, so I felt Mm -hmm. like this would be really good for you. And I'm going to go through this. You do not have to answer if you don't want to on any of these. If it gets a little too little too real for you.
0: No, Um, I'm so I'm so real. I don't mind. Do all it. right. Okay. I love taking a deep dive into my own personal depression.
1: I found this really interesting. I found this just to read about how other guys basically, you know, I, I kind of feel like, all right, I'm probably in the same mindset as a lot of these guys that are 37 years old, but they did a survey of hundreds of 37 year olds. And the first question was, how do you feel about being middle-aged? 56% said pretty good. 70, 21% said great. So you had, Seventy-seven percent of people feeling at least positive about it. Twenty percent said not great. Three percent said terrible. That's actually that's actually better than I thought it would be. Except that at thirty-seven, that is the age where you don't necessarily feel like you're aging yet, and you've got maybe more confidence and a little bit of maybe you got a little cash in your pocket you know, that you didn't have when you're twenty. So maybe you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Do you feel if you're comfortable answering? I don't want to put you in a, in a
0: no, no. I'm completely you feel pretty com- good. I'm totally comfortable just fessing up to the deep, dark hole of depression since I turned 37, which is funny because as I was reading this, 37 is like right on the nose when I hit like a, a rough spot.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Right what on the is, nose. Like right, right, right when COVID I turned 37.
0: Hit, yeah, kind of. I mean, right around. I mean, I'm 39. So, but yeah, it was it was oh, like okay. about a year before it. So, but that's good, Seth. Okay. I forgot um, you
1: just told me that you were 39. I, lo- like, <laughs> I forgot you like just told me. 90 seconds ago. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah but i was but i was surprised too i mean this number's like that's pretty high 56 percent, think it's pretty good I, the the common thing for me reading all these was realizing that i was in the
1: bleakest smallest pie <laughs> oh, for really? most of
0: these answers i was like it's like only three percent thinking i was like again over were you
1: oh years. so you were the three percent that felt no, genuinely terrible though not not terrible
0: this. but 56 like you said i that seems so like part of it i wonder i was when i was reading this i was thinking to you too because it's like I don't know about you, but my body's also totally falling apart, just like physically doing stuff. So I can't play basketball anymore and do a lot of that
1: stuff. So like,
0: that's, that's kind of that, like, eh, you know, you're feeling the physical
1: wheels falling off. Ross Tucker, who played in the NFL and has a Mm -hmm. very popular podcast right now. He told me that he hears that a lot from football players in their, in their mid thirties and on into like, especially when they get into their forties, a lot of guys, I think like you and I felt pretty good and we were really super active and everything. And then all of a sudden it just it just hit warp speed. And like I've got arthritis. Like I've got arthritis in yeah. my knees. And I was talking to the doctor about it. And he said, Well, you know, usually yeah, he's saying this kind of just casually. Well, you know, usually uh guys don't have arthritis like this in their knees until they're 65 or so. So yeah, right. you're at schedule. I'm like, you son of a bitch. We're talking you're killing it. Replacement, and everything.
0: Yeah. You're an overachiever. It's yeah. weird too, because I I like you, I'm sure I always expected it. It's not like I thought for one second, even go back to high school, I was like, Well, I'm gonna be paying for this when I'm in my 50s. Yeah, but I didn't, but it it went from zero to light speed. In like two years. Right. I was feeling really good at like 35. I was like, wow, I'm really, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing pretty well. And then within two years, it just was like ankles shot, everything shot. So, yeah. So, I'm not in the 56. Uh, yeah. no,
1: the advice from the doctor they have in here is that you should reframe your midlife crisis, which it sounds like you had as transformational opportunities to keep your right. momentum up and your attitu- attitude set on growth. The only issue I have with that is it, it, it kind of. It says, try refocusing on grown-up gains, like deeper relationships, professional success, or being a dad. I'm like, no, those, those might be the very no. things that a guy is having a crisis about, right? <laughs>
0: right. Exactly. It's like, you know what you got to do? Focus on the three things you definitely don't have and, and, and may not ever have. <laughs> And just you know,
1: obsess relentlessly. You know <laughs> One thing I've learned on this podcast is you make it way too easy for me to laugh at your pain. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Fucking, no, it's fine, man. Somebody has to, right? You
1: know, you know what you should do, though, is because, because you oh, don't all do those things. No, no. I'm saying, like, just uh, maybe throwing yourself into a charity or something, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> like like you do like, uh, yeah you know i work worked with sick just, kids and stuff all the time. <laughs> what i tell, old what I tell people kids. whenever i uh fail to whenever i don't show up to an appointment or something like, <laughs> like, oh, you know, I, was, I was working with sick kids yeah so sorry you know, <laughs> can't be mad at me can you yeah
0: just great life hack yeah <laughs> why were you late to the meeting i was helping sick children
1: sorry all right this oh. is an interesting one are you as fit as you'd hoped you'd be right now 60 percent said no which doesn't surprise me. 40% say yes.
0: Aren't you but, kind of surprised it's not higher, though? I mean, I just feel like the default answer is almost always, you know, most people. I mean, you because it doesn't mean you're not fit necessarily. It's just relative to what your own expectation is.
1: I think when when the question is, are you as fit as you'd hoped right now? I think a lot of people abandoned hope long ago. So, <laughs> right, so they figure, well, like, what? What are you talking about? Like, how? What I hoped I'd be when I was twenty? Like, you know, that's that's far. So I think some people have just right either given up or they've reframed their expectations. They're kind of cool with having a dad bod. They're focused on other things. So I, I'm right. I mean, actually, yeah, I'm surprised it wasn't higher though too, because I think in being honest with myself, when I was done playing football. I lost a bunch of weight really quickly and I imagined that by the time I was forty-five or so, or like really I've imagined by the time I was thirty-five, that I was gonna be like shredded with washboard abs and yeah. uh, like maybe have like a sweet neck tattoo or something and uh for and, sure. be, and just be physically a much different person than I am. Just up being
0: just right like now. like working security in a Las Vegas nightclub. Yeah. yeah. Just like just jacked. <laughs> just you know? for the hell it's, of it, right? Yeah. Just because you're just because, you're, just because you're so hot now.
1: Like, yeah, God, just did a, you hear what
0: Seth is doing? Because it would be like yeah.
1: depriving the world if uh, if they couldn't see me before they went into a club.
0: yeah you you got to be like at the foray
1: yeah it was it's the same thing for me i like
0: I don't really beat myself up about it especially after the last year I feel like everybody gets a free pass
1: men making a hundred thousand dollars or more skewed towards being happily fit I'm thinking that's probably three factors one is that there's a, like a higher likelihood that somebody making over $100,000 is like a type a personality driven probably just you know up at 4:30 a.m. all that mm-hmm. annoying stuff um b just more energy for exercise cuz they have a white collar job and which also leads into c that they've got more money to eat healthy cuz eating healthy is yeah. freaking expensive compared to yeah. compared to eating fast food or mm-hmm. just picking up you know canned food from the grocery store
0: yeah totally agree it's like who would have thought those things all all line up together
1: do you believe your best days are ahead of you behind you or right now 57 percent said ahead of you 24 percent said behind you and 19 percent said they were living the dream right then at 37 years old oh we want
0: we want the honest answer
1: oh yeah yeah Yeah. oh that's right i'm supposed to be (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm supposed to be asking for consent first before. No, yeah. no, no. You're good. You okay yeah. with this I mean, too. My my immediate reaction
0: is like behind me because no. I'm I'm getting up and limping around and you know, I mean I'm aging and that but a lot of that is just like
1: just yeah. that ankle
0: surgery and you know.
1: But you're also uh look, I, I would say for you, honestly and objectively, I'd say your best days are ahead of you. Because whether you choose to have a family or not, that's going to be a, something that's completely different than anything you've ever done. And you're also, I think, uh, like in terms of material success and stuff like that, you you have kind of a cool career arc because you played in the NFL for a while and you made good money. But it's not like it's not like you capped your career earnings when you were 24 years old. Right. Some NFL players are never gonna achieve what they did when they were 25 26 27 years old right and like on a, and a career perspective including including actual career success because they reached the pinnacle in their careers and it's I mean if you're say you're pro bowl all pro in the NFL it's very unlikely that whichever career you choose to go into after football you're going to end up being one of the top 0.001 percent of people who do that thing or play that sport right so, so you're uh that's that's you reframing it. No,
0: I like it. I like yeah. it. You know it's funny though and I'm sure you've seen it or maybe you went through it where it's like you see the guys that when they transition out of it I think that and I got wrapped up in this a little bit but it was fleeting but the expectation that you're just going to become like a master of industry within like, let's not be too aggressive. I will master this industry in 18 months.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're like, well, I will I've um I've made good money, so I must know things about making I... money. Yeah. <laughs> people
0: seem to take me pretty seriously. And I've signed autographs, so I probably can run this hospital.
1: You know it's what? Like, <laughs> like <"Yeah."> th- <laughs> two guys I've talked to about this that have both been really successful in business afterwards. Um, one is Don Davy. It's a guy I played with in Jacksonville. He was an older guy when I was a younger guy, but he, he got his master's in engineering while he was playing football. Oh he ended up God. starting a financial planning company while he was playing football. He's what? got, he's got a lot of money under management. I don't know how much, but, and he also owns like every <laughs> fire. He owns every firehouse subs in, uh, Wisconsin. I think oh, he, owned, wow. I, th- I think he owns the entire state of Wisconsin. Plus like he's got 20 or 30 stores in Florida because he, yeah, he's got
0: firehouse subs money.
1: He, yeah. He's got that. He's got that quality meat money. Um, but him and then Steve McKinney, who owns a bunch of McDonald's mm-hmm. in, in Houston, yeah. both those guys, you know, we had conversations about how like you never really have an appreciation for how freaking hard it is to make just a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah when you're in the NFL, you just don't, you really, your, your whole perspective on making money is completely unrealistic, which, you know, and you know that academically, but you don't really realize it. And like, and I, I'd say I grew up on farms, you know, I made my first job on a farm where I actually got paid. I was making minimum wage back in 1990, 1990, when minimum wage was like three thirty-five. I think they bumped it up to $4. But I still somehow, after years in the NFL, I kind of, I lost touch of yeah. just how hard it is to actually make
0: money. Yeah. Well, I th- yeah, I think the thing that's interesting too, is if you're a smart guy and you're relatively charismatic and you're well-spoken, you networked a little bit, when you retire, you can pretty quickly get back up to six figures. Yeah. I mean, you can jump in there. You'll get some kind of job if you're open to it. You can slide into a position where if you're showing up on time and you're using what you learned playing sports to just excel, but going from that like six figure mark to whatever the next scale is, like working up above like 150, 200 is a grind. That's where it takes that extra, like, Oh, this is going to take 10 years. (laughs) This is going to take 10 years. This is not going to be like a, like, Hey, just get a new deal. You know, because like the, one of the best things someone told me was You know, when I used to complain about people being frustrated at how much athletes were getting paid Mm -hmm. and everything else is, you know, I would just tell them like, it's, there's like the old adage about, uh, you know, like when you hire someone to like a mechanic to fix their car, it's like, why are they charging me so much? He worked on it for two hours. Well, it's like, you're paying for all the work that went into it before they became skilled enough to actually perform the, you know, whatever the services you need. And it's like, you did all the work getting into the nfl like yeah. that's like why you're skilled labor you know part, that's like yeah why it's it's valuable because and it's uh
1: it's in your uh in there's scarcity there you've got yeah exactly like anything right. else like there's just right. very few people that do what you do and there's people that want to pay for it. oh yeah there's nothing there's nothing uh like there's no meritocracy to like who makes money in the, it, yeah you, well yeah. yeah and that's yeah that's a little bit of the problem though isn't it right that we've attached all this uh, all this yes. respect to billionaires when really, you know, like in a no. lot of, <laughs> yeah, like in a I'm lot not of, having it. I'm not it, having it. I'm really so all over that th- all throughout history, really in a lot of cultures, it hasn't been looked upon as like, wow, that's uh that's, that's the best thing you can do in life is to amass huge, large quantities of cash. Yeah. Oh, uh, my new,
0: my new, uh, yeah, it's that toxic capitalism. My new, uh, favorite pastime is just, uh, is just bashing famous billionaires. That's like pretty much. So, like, I want to just destroy the mythology around, you know, like Bezos. Oh, i just starting his, just starting his garage with a mild three hundred thousand dollar loan. I'm just like, yeah, as, as we all have.
1: Yeah, got it. All right, let's see. uh Next question: Is your family life as happy as you'd like? Fifty seven percent say yes. Forty three percent say no. Men, men who are in a relationship or had kids. We're more likely to feel content, but not by much. So this is this is this is one of those things where we have to remember how surveys work, and it's yeah. not that like it's not like every ma- man with kids or in a relationship was a little bit happier. It's that a few more said that they were happier, and yeah. a bunch more are just as miserable as a bunch of the guys that don't have <laughs> kids or a family.
0: Right? Yeah. That that actually. I couldn't tell when I saw the answers to this one, I couldn't tell if I was very surprised or not at all surprised. Cause it was, I, it kind of makes sense when I think about all my buddies that are married and it's like, yeah. no one ever really wants to know this, but most of them tell me they're miserable. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, yeah, that tracks that sort of tracks. Yeah. But... Most
1: of the, one of the biggest problems a lot of married guys have is um, what they, what they do. I find at least some married guys, some married guys have a little bit, too rosy of a picture of what they were as single guys um yes. they all think yeah. that they could go out and pull uh, <laughs> like the hottest yes. girl at the at the at the club at <laughs> totally agree time. yeah like oh yeah i remember what it was like there was i, I was definitely never just sitting by myself with a pizza yeah. feeling awful about myself or, i was <laughs> yeah, always I just agree. i was out of the town every night and uh yeah yeah if
0: yeah. only i were single Man, I would just be out there. I would just be, it'd just be hookers and blow all day and night, man. I'm telling you. But then, "Mm, but then
1: some of them are just genuinely unhappy in their marriages. And, uh, yeah.
0: Do do you, do you find that because, like, do you have guys who, like, buddies that will, they'll do the thing where they're, they're doing the shtick of how miserable they are, kind of like in their marriage. And it's kind of like an, like, it's sort of a joke. It's like, uh, you know, it's like bleak humor. But then I feel uh,
1: like they buy into it after a while. And then it's
0: like the joke becomes, just their
1: identity. It really, well, you know what? Um, It's interesting because there's, there is a part of being happily married. And I kind of, I think I was with my wife long enough beforehand and I kind of went from not wanting to be married at all. Like before I met my wife, I was like, nope, going to stay single forever. Not me. I'm never getting married to where you kind of, uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough to talk to some people. Like I had friends that had come from really successful families uh, by that, I mean, happy families, you know, like where the mom and dad were happy and the kids were genuinely happy. And, um, like you just, I, I guess being comfortable and understanding that sometimes the whatever restrictions, the institution of marriage places on you, ultimately, if you're a, if you're a hundred percent into it, it makes you happier. If you, it's like anything in life generally, like if you accept some restrictions, it makes you happier and better. Like right. in, in, in your job, like in creative works, in personal relationships, all those things. Like the restrictions are what keep you on yeah. a path that doesn't get all wobbly and 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 frantic and then bam, you're off the, the track. So um I guess that was that's what helped me, I suppose. And I got I, I, mean, I was lucky enough to find the right person too. So I don't know if I, I sometimes I think about because um, I've got, you know, friends, my friends that have gotten divorced and family members that have got divorced. It's one thing when you see it when you're a kid, it, it just seems like, oh, that's something that adults do. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that you can make it until adulthood without realizing like, holy shit, this is a this is a big deal. <laughs> like they're completely ripping their lives apart. And this is traumatic stuff like this. Yeah. Is, this is like death. You know, Um, so I could see how I could see how some guys that are married might be genuinely like unhappy in their marriage, but also they understand that they have it good compared to compared to like if they ripped their lives apart.
0: Totally. That's where it's like that. That's probably my nightmare. I mean, that was always like the fear for me. Like I'm a family of divorce. We've had like seven divorces in my family. So it's like, yeah. I was looking at it like, I don't know if I want to be in the situation where I'm held hostage to a marriage because I'm worried that the alternative is just a complete disaster.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like,
0: that is... But yeah, but otherwise, everything's great,
1: man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the biggest... Honestly, some of the older... (laughs) So I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to talk you into getting married someday. Um, <laughs> I know. I talk, and it. I've talked to people out of getting married when I know they're getting married for the wrong reasons. <laughs> but it was kind of cool. Be, you know, it was kind of cool being with the Jaguars who, you know, uh, the that was like one of the first Bible thumping teams. And I was the, decidedly not a Bible thumper. But I like to have conversations. And I like Tony Baselli and Mark Bunnell and yeah. Those guys are super religious. And they're always really cool about, you know, talking to me about stuff. Um, but When it came to just like the actual family side of things, even when they, you know, everything was always infused with religion, but then when they would talk about their, their marriages and their families, it was kind of a side of marriage that I didn't see growing up because I was like you, I had a lot of people split up in my family. And, and the cool thing I saw was like, okay, these guys seem genuinely happy. It doesn't seem like they're just burying their, their misery underneath the uh, religion or anything. Right. Like they worked at their marriages. I remember talking to Bryce pop about him and his wife going off to a marriage conference, you know, and, and just being really, just remembering that it's like, like anything else. It's like a garden that you got to tend to the garden and it can yeah. be beautiful and awesome. So that part was cool. So I I guess Maybe if I hadn't, maybe if I hadn't been in that environment and I just kept running around <laughs> like my, uh, well, I still was running around with my normal friends who are, you know, heathen, but, um, <laughs> but I had just that degenerate. good influence that when it was time for me to leave my degenerates. then I had that, uh, I had that, that example set for me. Let's see. Uh, are you, what feeling best describes your day-to-day mood? 40% of people said upbeat. This is 37-year-old men. 40% said upbeat. 28% said stressed. 22% said indifferent. And 10% said lonesome. Do you feel like answering this one?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll answer them all. We're already, we're okay. already knee-deep in the quicksand. Um, I probably, I mean, it's not upbeat. It's not every day I'm you know, feeling upbeat. But this is also like, think about the time capsule the survey is being taken in. Yeah, you know, it's like weird
1: well, timing. True. Yeah, they took this. They took this during COVID. Yeah. Like Boy, that's kinda, I you mentioned yeah. that. I wonder how many of these. I wonder they should do this again in a couple of years and see if people are happier. Well, or it's like
0: initially you look at it and you go like, oh, 40% set up B, But then you're like, yeah, but 60% were either stressed indifferent, different or lonesome. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's
1: pretty shitty. 10% being lonesome. I guess. Uh, oh, well, we talked about this last time. I think that 10%, 10% of people might be. I'd say 50% of the 10% who are lonesome might actually be okay being lonesome. So maybe yeah, that, maybe yeah. like that, maybe it should be 5% lonesome and sad in 5%. <laughs> yeah. Lonesome and just cool with it. Like, Hey man, I like playing chess online. You know, like what, what yeah, I got pretty yeah. much everything I need. Right. <laughs> I could see that totally. If I, if I were single, man, I don't know. I know. I know. I read so many studies about how important it is to socialize and be around people physically, you know, not just not just online, but but there's so much cool stuff online and streaming and everything. I, it's got to be. Is it, do you find yourself sometimes just. Knowing that you got to go out and see somebody, but also like, holy crap, I could watch this whole series on Netflix for. Oh yeah, the all the time. I have, to, yeah.
0: I have to turn like uh, it's like where you become disciplined about going to the gym. That's like my be socializing with other people. Like yeah. I, I, have to remind myself I need to go do it because it is super easy. I mean, I'm independent. I can be you know totally fine being isolated, and I can just sit and read a book and not even think about it. And then two days went by, and I just was hanging out.
1: Yeah. You got to find that right balance. Mm. The opportunity that one of the doctors here suggests is that it might be time to seek out new friends who also prioritize positivity. Mm. And also uh, this doctor suggests keeping a gratitude journal okay so if you're into journaling you don't yeah. as a journaler
0: yeah I'll, uh, I'll get right on that gratitude journal doc <laughs> <laughs>
1: you I kidding tried, me? i've got like 17 different journals strewn about the country from, <laughs> exactly like with the first two pages <laughs> scribbled in before i came up like somebody somebody out there moved into an apartment and found my gratitude journal <laughs> so, so i was like
0: <laughs> breaking bad is bitching i like that i'm picturing the, i'm picturing the cover where a weight loss journal is scratched out and then other underneath the it says gratitude and then it's scratched out and then underneath it says like uh, things to be thankful for like scratched out.
1: Yeah. I like the Sopranos. Tony Soprano is an engaging personality. I would like to be like a legal law-abiding Tony Soprano. Yeah that was my gratitude <laughs> from 2001. <laughs> Uh, so seek out some more positive friends who posi- I feel like you have friends that prioritize positivity. If I'm yeah, of- no, I'd, I'd, I think so too. Eric Winston is, uh, I would say are Eric Winston and David Anderson, two of your better friends. Yeah. 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 And those guys are both super positive.
0: Oh, I mean, they're just like beacons of just like relentless optimism, which is just, (laughs) which is wild because we just do, we operate in like two different universes, but it's like why we get along in that way. You know, I'm like, man, you guys, like, it's just, if if you ever met two people who are, you just feel very confident are going to continue to do well in what they're doing just by virtue of being certain they're going to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're just
0: sure they're going to do it. Yeah Eric, like, yeah, Eric was one of those guys.
1: Eric came in, and I could tell just even when he was a rookie uh, on a really bad football team, uh, you, you could just tell he kind of had a certain method to his method to the way he went about his day. And then we became involved in the NFLPA very quickly, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. and just kind of was precocious in a lot of ways. And I know, yeah, like within I talked to him a few months after he was done as NFLPA president, and. He's already, what's he doing? He's working with, he's, he leveraged. Now that's a guy that like, he's, he's the opposite of what we talked about earlier. He right. did just step into a role, basically leveraging his NFLPA presidency, where now he has a lot of yeah. knowledge about how brands work with, uh, with,
0: well, he has the NBA from work and everything
1: too. Oh, that's right too. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's not, not an MBA from Wharton or an actual MBA.
0: I, yeah, that's a really good point.
1: So I guess oh, no, it it's not. I, you weigh I, against. Yeah. I don't know the difference. I just know that I think yeah. want-
0: <laughs> No, I don't. I don't know how good of a point it is either. I went to ASU. Come on.
1: What's uh, What's your most important goal with exercise? 24% of 37-year-old men said feeling stronger. 34% said feeling more energetic, 29% said looking better, and 13% said managing stress. The, the point they made here was that the majority of men are more interested in how working out makes them feel, which I, I only half buy that because feeling mm. more energetic makes sense. Managing stress, I, I consider that a feel, so that's about 50%. Yeah, Feeling same. stronger... That's not OK. Feeling strong. No, that's still like you. That's a that's a. it's almost a superficial thing, right? That's like you want to take pride in being strong the same way you might take try take pride in, in having washboard abs. So I'd yeah. say that's like 50, uh, like 50, 50 down the middle. One is your actual emotions and energy and all that. The other is, all right, I either want to be yoked or like I want to be sexy.
0: Yeah, same. Yeah. I, I I rate this poll like a like a D plus C minus <laughs> in its in its validity. Cause I feel like those, yeah, like you said, those three things are like synonyms. I mean, that's so close to being basically the same thing. It's Whoa. it's basically like you do see I mean, there are a lot of guys that you see like at the gym that they really still are hung up on how much their bench press is, which is yeah. which is amazing to me because I mean, I stopped giving a shit about my bench press. Like before I even stopped playing football, I stopped. I like that was ridiculous,
1: but if you but, got, but that is something, you know, I, I I think, especially for guys that work out real hard. Cause there's so many guys, like most guys these days in their twenties are working out. So I feel like it's something that from the time you're in high school, you're obsessed with your bench when you're in high school and college. And then mm-hmm. you just keep on with it. And if you're, if you've got a good bench, that probably becomes just a little bit of almost your identity, you know, <laughs>
0: you're the bench guy i seriously i would love to
1: be able to i would love to be able to confidently answer like if somebody says like how much you bench to be able to be like "Eh, i did 565 for three reps last week or something i don't know um do people do 565 for three sure yeah i just remember gary Gary walker every now and then would like just throw 495 on and, and and toss up a few reps and like Just because he felt like it, like those. I remember the freakish strength of guys who who weren't even Mm -hmm. necessarily
0: workout out all that hard. Yeah, Yeah,
1: they just at any time if they wanted to dial it up, they could.
0: Yes, but it is to look better purely. I'm 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 in it for the vanity at this point. Well, and the energetic part that's definitely also true. Oh, this is. uh,
1: Yeah, I would say managing stress for me. Like the, because yeah. when I started, when yeah. I started exercising specifically to manage stress, then all of a sudden I got super disciplined about it. And mm-hmm. I think I, I think the other three kind of took care of itself. I don't know about feeling stronger. Cause I'm, I know I, like every now and then I swing a kettlebell or I do a, a hex bar deadlift, but uh, yeah. like, I don't worry about that as much, but I definitely feel more energetic. And I probably, I look better than when I'm like all, you know, puffy faced and 20 pounds heavier. Or you
0: just like pick on someone smaller than you
1: yeah 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 if i want to feel stronger yeah I feel like a big man mm-hmm. let's see oh there, one suggestion they give which is kind of it feels a little bit out of place but they say to stay charged try controlled breathing close your eyes and listen to your breath for 60 seconds um i would recommend a book called breath i think i sent this to you i'm not mm-hmm. sure. i meant to send you a physical copy and then i realized i i fell through on that um but they, there's a whole lot on controlled breathing in there. And one of the most effective things they've discovered is that five and a half second inhale, five and a half second out, uh, exhale um, ta- works really, really well for... And especially if you're, you're doing it through your nose and you're humming as you exhale, then you increase your NO2 levels, your blood pressure decreases. Um, and I've got an app, it's called BreathWorks it's really cool and simple and it kind of has like several different guided breathing apps uh breathing exercises so i try to do i I try to do that like three or four times a day whenever i start feeling the stress come on uh i hit that app
0: nice it's a lot of discipline
1: uh no it's an app it's easy it's uh, (laughs) a you're like it's actually not it's It's the opposite (laughs) i'm allowing the app to be my discipline all right uh i'm gonna skip a couple of these let's see let's get to Oh, oh, what's your greatest health fear? Okay. Here are the fears. Dementia, cancer, ED, that's erectile dysfunction, fellas. Diabetes and heart attack. By far the greatest fear, and this surprised me a little bit, was 31% of men's greatest fear was heart attack. At the age of 37, I felt pretty, really, like when I was 37, I kind of felt like, ah, that's forever away. Then I got into my forties and I realized like, oh, wait a second. That's like that's like now. This is when guys really start getting heart attacks. Um, cancer was twenty-eight percent, followed by dementia seventeen percent, diabetes fourteen percent, E D 10%. I bet back before Viagra and other pills came along, I bet oh, that yeah. would have been a lot higher. Like I would have mm-hmm. been scared shitless if I were thirty-seven and I was starting to like not have the as as strong as they used to be if you didn't know that viagra was there for you if you needed it um yeah. okay so your your biggest fear was heart attack mine is dementia just because mine's not
0: mine's not heart attack Oh, it's not
1: oh you just assumed that mm-hmm. the others would be okay what's yours
0: no mine's dementia
1: yeah. for sure that's the thing you I mean, doesn't it doesn't have to be that's not yours well there's no no it is it is dementia yes yeah. there's no fixing dementia i mean no not yet. I, they've made some progress, but for the most part, once you got it, that's it. Like you can, you can stave off or slow it down a little bit, but you know, diabetes, you can control heart attack. You can at least, you know, they, well, if you die the first time you're screwed. Um, but mm-hmm. I feel like if you can at least manage it, if you realize you've got plaque on your arteries or anything, but dementia is the big one, especially because, and then dementia is just so devastating to your family. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if it, it like what it that is. all
0: that kind of goes into like a group of just neurological stuff that just yeah. freaks me out, like stroke, like having a stroke, or like you know, stuff like that is all very much the, the really kind of the only health thing that weighs on. Like, and I'm not going to sit here and worry about cancer, that's weird to me. Like,
1: and yeah, you know, I was looking at the stats the other day, I think it's. I think sometimes you almost fall into thinking about like, oh, yeah, they're so good at beating cancer these days. And, uh, you know, the, the death rates are they're still pretty high. The death. Yeah. rates, You know, it's yeah. not. I think sometimes I I lull myself into a, a a sense of invincibility with cancer and I feel like, well, whatever, if whatever I get, I'll be able to knock it out with some chemo, lop it on. And it's, it's it's not quite that way, which is probably a good PSA for, uh, you know, donate some money to the American Cancer Society. This is, uh, this is uh, morbid as well. Which <laughs> of these things are you most afraid of? Uh, these are the four options. Some unforeseen tragedy or disaster, getting old and slowing down, ruining a relationship or failing at work. Which one of those scares you the most? It's place. probably,
0: this is another one where it's like, it, I guess it's failing at work because, but that's just always my thing. It's yeah. always going to be like, that's just never going to go away. That's just how I'm programmed. It's just like, I'm like a fear of failure, motivated person. Yeah. Like, that's just like, kind of how it is. Then so, that's,
1: that's good. I mean, the, it, like in a lot of ways, well, I mean, but it, that might lead you to ruin a relationship. Totally.
0: Um, yeah. Hopefully.
1: Getting old and slowing down—I feel like that's—I uh, yeah. I don't know. I've accepted that that's an inevitability, <laughs> right? Right. Now, I mean, you're gonna like—I'm—I'm yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm older right now than when I started this podcast. When did you accept it? Um, probably, I would say like maybe like around my late thirties. If I started having kind of existential contemplations, mm-hmm. I you know I, I read a few different books about. Um, I don't want to say I don't want to say Buddhism, but just kind of more Eastern philosophy-related stuff, and and kind of started to try to just look at myself. I tried to base this is what I tried to do, Drew. I tried to go on an acid trip without actually doing acid because uh, I'm still an acid virgin. But you hear everything mm-hmm. what people say about uh, LSD or hallucinogenics is that you, if you do it right, you kind of see yourself as part of the world instead of you being separate from the world and then try to impose yourself on the world. You, you kill your ego. Like you just, you Mm -hmm. kill your concept of self as much as possible. So I didn't want to have to use drugs to do it. I wanted to come by it naturally. So i just kind of, I kind of contemplate on that as much as I can. I try to, I try to honestly think about like my, the fact that my physical body, um, is not the same and never has been like it's constantly changing that 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 we really are just boy, I'm really getting just just
0: no it's true though it's we're true just, we're,
1: we're waves of energy yeah. You know, yeah, and like we, we kind of like the particles come to us and then they leave us. Um, mm-hmm. But we're just kind of this wave of energy. And then one day when I die, it's just going to dissipate off into the world. And that's kind of how it is. And I don't know. None of that. None of that seems like it should make you feel better. And I remember when I first started contemplating it, it really, really freaked me out. Um, but the more I think about it, and that was maybe the, one of the best advice, uh, some of the best advice somebody ever gave me, and I've seen it a bunch of different places since, so I can't remember who told me the first, was the, that if you just contemplate life and death a little bit every day, and after a while, you kind of get, you're at peace with it, and you understand uh, kind of just the cycles and the rhythm of, of nature and that you're just part of that.
0: That's good. Good advice. I agree. Uh this this uh largest portion, the 36% of some unforeseen tragedy disaster. Yeah. That seems like whether you're 37 or not, the people that are responding to that one being their number one, it'll always be their number one regardless of the phase and like that's just weird paranoia to me.
1: Oh, that, that would be I, I might say that one, though, because I don't really feel like I'm afraid of anything. I mean, I've got my normal fears like, oh, gosh, yeah. I hope I don't get hit by that bus. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so that OK, I'm glad you said that because I don't necessarily feel like any of these is a pressing fear in my life. So failing at work might be my biggest fear. The unforeseen tragedy does freak me out a little bit just because I've been relatively lucky, like most yeah. of the people that have died in my life. Well, the people that have had... The people that have died... Okay, it's been a while, I guess. When I was younger, I had tragedy. And I guess I've maybe sealed myself off from that. And it's been a long time. So I kind of feel like I'm due. Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how how I'll handle it now that I'm actually responsible for people. If like a, a close acquaintance or... You know, it, at some point, uh, you know everybody in my family that's died have been grandparents or older people or distant cousins. Um, wow,
0: well, I really internalized this because I was assuming that the tragedy was happening to you to specifically. You.
1: Yeah, so I, I was definitely looking at it. I wasn't even
0: considering that it really can just kind of mean blanket. You know, someone like a family member.
1: The worst, uh, the worst tragedy that happened to me because I said distant cousins, but the actual tragedy of a close relative would be my my first cousin committed suicide um in that that freaks me out um because for one i don't want to get too. let's keep this lighthearted um but yeah that's a it, it was hard enough for me but then obviously my aunt and uncle and my and, and his brother my other cousin um like i've I've seen what that was like for them yeah, so yeah that that freaks me out
0: yeah you're like worried about the change yeah.
1: yeah so uh what is your preferred way to care for mental health that's okay this is uh this is interesting I didn't even know that one of these was an option exercise sex, which I never, like I honestly, I didn't even think about that. I was like, okay, time to care for my mental health, um, Mm -hmm. alcohol therapy, medication, or I don't have one exercise was the most popular. Now. I don't know if these, these respondents were all men's health readers or if they were just random 37 year olds. That makes sense. Sex is a, I guess, I guess I never looked at sex as a therapeutic way other than that. Like, okay. I'm feeling pretty tense. Like I need some sex, but so I guess I'll feel better mentally if I get it. But I never thought of that as like a, well,
0: or I mean, my, my interpretation of that is like, you're, you're, you're sort of like, you're like an aging lion thing and you want to be validated that you still got it.
1: Oh, okay. You know,
0: like you're middle-aged and then it's like, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you get a little action and you're feeling like less of a, if I can, you know, a raggedy old man, while I just drop f bombs, you don't yeah.
1: feel so useless. No, that's yeah, all right. exactly. That's, that's yeah. all right. You'll as we get older too, we'll start swearing more too. It's like <laughs> make <laughs> us feel yeah, like we're cooler, edgier. I'm like I'm basically yeah. like George Carlin, but you know, the young one with the ponytail and everything. yeah, the hot, the hot one. Yeah, <laughs> the hot George was George yeah. Carlin considered hot? Yeah, but uh, no. I don't know I bet no I mean I bet some women did like I mean women like comedians in general they're standing up on stage they're the alpha you know you're right and then then Carlin kind of had a bad boy appeal especially especially to maybe like say young college hippies like uh you know back in back in the 70s especially he would have been he'd have been that counterculture it would have given off that counterculture vibe uh let's see what do you want more of in life this will be the last one we do time or money 57 57 percent said time 43 percent said money
0: i mean on, only uh like only a moron says money yeah uh, i i find that to be you're an idiot if you say money you're an idiot because if you <laughs> well, have what, time, if, uh,
1: what if more money gets you more time
0: at, Oh, like you need like an experimental treatment like to to come back from a <laughs>
1: No, I mean. Oh no. <laughs> oh, oh. Wait. Now, are you thinking about time, like on a day-to-day basis, or time as far as like years left on your life?
0: Oh, I'm thinking about it just kind of like big picture. Yeah, years on the left on your oh, in, okay. in life, you know, because See, I, I assume w- this is like a middle age thing, right? Yeah. Well, maybe not. Yeah, I guess you're right because it says it's free time.
1: Yeah, I, I just feel like the only thing
0: time. the only thing you can't you know create in any capacity is time. Right. I mean, it's I- it's you know i don't know it's a that's resource where, you can't you can't generate
1: yeah I, I i was uh talking to a really successful restaurant guy once and that's what he that's what he said that when like he when he once he reached a certain level he realized he really had to start thinking more in terms of like how he divides his day and everything. Cause he was going to make money regardless. So the best way to do it and to actually enjoy the money he was making was to be very, very strict about his time and to be sure that, and he said, when he started doing that, he started making a lot more money too, because he became so efficient. You know, you, you cut out all the, you cut out all the fat and you cut out all the useless activity. And then you actually got time for your kids and your And you're being way more efficient and focused at work. So I agree with time. I'm glad it's interesting that you went there immediately to to actually like time in terms of maybe years of life, because, yeah, for for sure, I'd say that like I would uh, like like my calculations are that I'm going to live to be 100. It's going to really screw me up. (laughs) I'm going to be and I can totally see it just like you and I thought that, oh, yeah, someday, someday. It'll be yeah. time to pay the, to pay the bill for my pr- previous life. And my, my knees will start giving out, but when it actually started happening, I was kind of like, well, no, not now. This is like, I, I didn't expect to have to pay this bill. So if yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, when yeah. I'm, like if I'm out in the garden at the age of 77 and I feel the big one coming on, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be really pissed. I'm like, well, yeah. no, 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 I got 23 yeah. left. What are you doing? Yeah. I've
0: made a mistake on these expectations. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> totally i'm with you
0: that's why i'm trying to i'm you know'm I, I joke with my brother all the time we're like man I, I got any every year past 56 i'm i'm killing it yeah. I am killing it, you know. After fifty-six, set the bar, that's set a, the bar low. way to do set, it. Set the bar low, and then just you know, every you know what, every should, year's
1: a win. Every year after fifty-six, you should allow yourself to do something that you didn't do before. You know, like by the time you get to sixty-five, you'll be up to heroin, and
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then just and then just
1: keep pushing, like keep upping the ante to lower the years. Yeah, just on <laughs> yeah. some kind of self-destructive bent to the point where all of a sudden you're just a, yeah, until I'm convinced
0: that I'm invincible.
1: Your last. <laughs> your last bucket list item after you, after you complete 999 previous buckets will be to uh, die with dignity. And then you'll, scratch it off with a number two pencil oh wow that was a beautiful finish (laughs) i was was. i feel i feel poetic today all right buddy i'll uh hey we'll get back together next week and we'll actually talk about football or something so you guys can um save your save your angry comments or actually dm me your angry comments about this wasn't about football (laughs) and it was just about life and death and ed uh at seth C Payne on twitter or instagram you can just go ahead and dm me and and drew do you want people getting in touch with you Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Do it.
0: And then I'll, uh, probably pretty small chance. I'll actually read it, but,
1: but do it, (laughs) do it. It It validates my ego. Barely. He's drew Hodgson on Twitter. He's hardly ever there, but, uh, send him a DM. Thanks everybody.